0: truth over tradition. Matthew 15 and let's start in verse number one. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition. For God commanded, saying, honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. I'll explain all this in just a moment. Verse six. And honor not his father or his mother, He shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Do you have traditions in your life that could possibly be making God's word of none effect? Is it possible that there are things that you have from your past or things from your culture or things from your nationality or ethnicity or maybe just personal traditions? And these are things that you have received, you've learned them, you believe in them, but then here comes God's word and they are against each other. They're opponents. Is there something in your life where you're saying, I'm choosing my tradition over the truth that's what we're going to examine we're going to examine it's always easier when we talk about other people right that's one of the awesome things about studying the bible is we get to see well what did jesus say what were the pharisees problem what's the deal why are they having this discussion and disagreement we're going to study the disagreement the pharisees had with jesus concerning truth over tradition let's pray father i pray in the name of jesus christ That you would help me now as I preach your word. We all, Father, can have these things. Habits, beliefs that stop your word from having its powerful effect in our life. We love you and pray that you would help us to see in our life we have traditions that are quenching your word. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. Pray that you'd help me as I preach. Pray that it would be clear. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, Thursday night, we usually try to go out to eat once a week as a family. We budget that out. And uh, Thursday night, we decided we're going to go. And we're going to go to this place down on, um, on Lakeshore by Marie Curtis Park that has incredible hamburgers and incredible poutines. Now, not all poutines are created equal. To be honest with you, a lot of poutine is kind of bad. Like it's not very good. It's hot, which is nice on a cold day, which Thursday was not a cold day. Then there's other poutines that are, that are like their next level. They're just incredible. And this one is really, really good. And they have pulled pork on this poutine. They smoke the meat for however long they're going to smoke it. Many, many hours, 10 hours, 24 hours, however long they do it. I don't know how much time. And then a little bit of barbecue sauce, and they put it on top of the poutine. Well, here's something else that they put on here. As much as I love them, they don't love me, which is jalapenos. Now, I love them. The ones from the jar, like the sour, the sour spicy. I can eat so many other spicy things. It's just funny, but it's just that one thing I can have three or four or five in that night. I mean, because it's good. That acidity, right? It bites through kind of the richness of the of the French fries and the gravy and the cheese curds and then the pork. And you kind of need that. You kind of need that acidity to bite through that vinegar and the spice. Man, I was just hammering it. I'm telling you what that night. Trying to go to sleep. My stomach was not letting me sleep. Oh, it was wicked. burns again I can have spicy stuff mostly most of the time it's fine and and so I finally I got up and I went I went to the the medicine cabinet where we keep our stuff and there's this beautiful bottle of pink liquid and it solves all your problems Pepto-Bismol and by the way I don't use the measuring cup if you use a measuring cup you're an amateur right (laughs) okay (laughs) you just screw it open it was two gulps you had to have at least two gulps that was how that was how that was how that was the situation i was in five ten minutes later what does it do it neutralizes it calms it down now we're going to see here in this passage in matthew chapter number 15 the pharisees are coming to jesus They're upset. Isn't it funny how Pharisees are always upset? In the name of God, they're always upset with Jesus. (laughs) That's what every time the Pharisees come on the scene, they're upset with Jesus. And what are they trying to do? They are trying to be the Pepto-Bismol to Jesus's jalapenos, so to speak. They're trying to neutralize his message. They're trying to neutralize his message. We can see here where it says in verse one, then came to Jesus, scribes. Now in the Bible, in the New Testament speaks of scribes. They're the ones who were responsible for copying the Old Testament scriptures. That was their job. They hand copied them. So they would take an old copy that was wearing out and then they would take a fresh scroll and they would meticulously Hand copy them, so when the Bible is talking about scribes, that's what it's talking about. Pharisees, and especially in the book of Acts, it talks about Sadducees as well, but in the New Testament, it talks about Pharisees and Sadducees. they're similar, but they're different. and we're not going to get very deep into this, but basically, Pharisees were, were kind of a religious organization that practiced Judaism but in a very, very, very strict way. And they would follow, not necessarily the Old Testament law, they would follow the elders. They would follow the teachings of the elders. And we're going to see that in just a moment. But they had so many rules that they followed. They would wear special long robes. They would put tassels on the, on, the edge of their, on the edge of their robes. And one of the things, there's two things that we're going to find here in this passage, and we may have the time to look at another one. But one of the things that they were very strict about was washing your hands before you eat. Now we would think, what's the big deal about that? But we're going to see. So it says in verse number one, it says that these scribes then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem. So they came from Jerusalem. Like these were the top people, right? These were the head officials. Many Pharisees were in positions of power in the government as well, right? There was no separation of church and state as we understand it nowadays. So many of these Pharisees were also in the government. Verse two, why? Do thy disciples transgress, not the Bible, not the Old Testament, but why do they transgress the tradition of the elders? Why, do they, why are they breaking it? Why are they crossing the line? Why are they intentionally breaking? Now, it's interesting to see here that they're talking about transgressing the tradition of the elders But then it goes on to say, for they wash not their hands when they eat bread, which means that there were people that were intentionally spying on Jesus and his disciples to see, are they going to follow all of these rules? Follow Jesus and his disciples when they go to eat and see whether or not that they're going to wash their hands before they eat. Now, Jesus goes on to explain in verse number 16. It says, and Jesus said, He explains to his disciples later on. It says, And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth, goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught. We understand that, verse 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. Now he's specifically talking about sin, right? So they were basically trying to say that if you eat without washing your hands, you are ceremoniously sinning against God, that it was a sin, we would say, well, it's not healthy to, watch, to eat without washing your hands. And we would agree with that. We know that. Okay, But they were taking it a step further to say that if you were to eat without washing your hands, it was like a sin. You were sinning against God. You are now defiled. You have, are impure. And Jesus corrects them and says that, no, whatever goes into your mouth is just goes into your mouth. It just affects your body. That's what he's basically trying to say. It provides nutrition, and if obviously if it's spoiled, then you're going to get sick. Or if you have jalapenos, your stomach's going to burn, so on and so forth, right? <laughs> uh, but he says in verse number 18, But those things which proceed out of the mouth, meaning words and actions, the, these things that come out, where does it come from? It Listen, the defilement is not from things that we are putting into our mouth, per se, Jesus is saying. He's saying the defilement or the sin is from the heart. This was one of the big distinctions between Jesus's ministry and the Pharisees. The Pharisees always wanted their religion to be external. It was always something that could be observed, observed such as this one. Did you wash your hands? Did you make a big show of washing and rewashing and washing? Remember, they didn't really have the kind of soap that we would have nowadays, right? So wash and wash and wash and wash to the point where in John chapter number two, when Jesus turned the water into wine, they had these huge stone pots in the household, huge. that were about 60 or 70 gallons, if I remember correctly, these huge stone pots that were filled with water so that everybody could wash. So to them, washing was really important. Why did they wash? Well, they washed because the elders established this oral tradition that they passed down and said, in order to be safe from sinning, you ought to wash and wash and wash and wash before you eat. So the reason why that they continued to follow this was because it was a tradition. It was ruled by tradition. Jesus says in verse number 19, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. So they're asking the question in verse number two, why did thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? What does the word tradition mean? The tradition means the delivery of opinions, doctrines, practices, rites, and customs from father to son, mother to son, mother to daughter, so on and so forth, or from ancestor to or to posterity. We can talk about national tradition, cultural tradition, family tradition, religious tradition, personal tradition. We could even in this, we could talk about habits that have been passed down in our families. I do this, I believe this, I do it this way because my family has always done it this way, or this is the way my father or my mother taught me to do certain things, it can apply to pretty much anything that's out there, right? You can say, why do you, why do you, uh, why do you observe these particular holidays, or why do you do that? Well, it's because I'm from this country, and my family's from that country, and this is what we always do, and we've always done it that way, right? Uh, and of course, in a place like Toronto, we have this, this, this city is rich in traditions, uh, people from all over the world are coming here. We, 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 people are constantly swapping them out. Some people spend a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of money to make sure that their children continue on in the traditions from their culture. This is usually specifically talking about that which is handed down from age to age by oral tradition. It could be something that's written down, but usually it's just something that someone told you, and that's the way you've always done it. The Jews pay great regard to tradition in matters of religion, as do the Catholics. Protestants reject The authority of tradition and sacred things and rely only on the written word. Traditions may be good or bad, true or false. That's a definition from Webster's 1828 Dictionary is describing the authority. They're coming up to Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, why don't you teach your disciples to follow the tradition of the elders? And Jesus is saying, why do you break the commandment of God? Look at it in verse number three. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress? Now they're worried about transgressing sinning, essentially. Against the, this oral tradition from the, from, the, from, the, from the elders. And Jesus says, Why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Now, he gets into another example here. He, kinda, he, he doesn't even talk about the washing of the hands. He comes back around and he starts talking about something else. He's talking about honoring your father and mother. And specifically, he's talking about how, when you study this out, what he's specifically talking about is how in honoring your father and mother that you would help take care of them in their older age when they need your help. That's what he's talking about in verse number four, where it says, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother... Any that curseth father or mother, let him die in the death. So those are two different commands that Jesus is speaking about there. Exodus 20 and Exodus 21. But verse number five, it says, but ye say. Now, notice it's saying God commanded, but you say. We're seeing the difference here. And this is where we as Christians have to be very cautious. Is that it is perfectly fine for us to have traditions But when it's my word is more important than what God says, I am now sinning against God. I am the one that is the authority or my parents are the one that is the authority or my culture is that which is the authority. Or it's more important for me to be seen as still following the culture from my homeland than it is for me to be following the clear commands of God. We see that. There, there, there can be a distinction here. There can be a very clear difference. And by the way, every culture struggles with us because we're all sinners. There are some amazing aspects from every culture and tradition, but there is also sinful aspects from every culture and tradition. Verse number five explains, but ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. So specifically what Jesus is talking about here is that then when the son becomes of age and now he's the one that's, that's, uh, that, that is making the money and he has a family his aged parents are then coming to him saying we need help i meant remember they didn't have any kind of retirement programs back then families took care of each other okay and it, and it's an honorable thing even for us as christians to make sure that our aged parents are taken care of amen okay so when jesus is talking about this he's saying to honor your father and your mother, it's included in that. But then what they would do, what these Pharisees would do in order to kind of find a loophole in the law was that basically anything that you owned, if you said, oh, I've already dedicated that to the temple, I've dedicated that for God's service. I just haven't given it away, but it's but it's already been kind of like, it's it, it, it's it's really God's. I'm just kind of using it right now. Perhaps they were Levites or whatever the case may be. So then... As Jesus is explaining here, the commandment of God is of no effect in their life because they are choosing to honor the elders instead of honoring God's word. Isn't it funny how sometimes tradition can become a loophole from obeying God? Verse number seven, Jesus gets very serious, by the way. His, his strictest and most harsh sermons were always to the Pharisees. When it came to the sinners, he was always very kind to them. But when it came to these proud religious Pharisees, he was very bold. And it says in verse number seven, ye hypocrites. What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is an actor. In the Greek plays, oftentimes they would have an actual mask, a hard plaster type of a mask, and they would hold it up over their face. And it would be the same actor who would play multiple roles, and they would hold up different masks. Hypocrites. They were acting. What were they acting at? They were acting at obeying God. They were acting at being genuine believers in God. By their outward appearance, they wanted everybody to think that they loved and obeyed God. But really what they were truly doing is they were setting themselves up and what they believed and their tradition above even what God said. So they're acting like they're these amazing believers. Old Testament, right? We're just kind of... But in reality, it was all external. What was missing? What was missing? What was missing was the heart. The heart was missing. Listen, we know that the heart is missing in our Christian walk when it is more important to us To appear to others to be good people than for us to be able to say from a clean and pure heart, I have followed God's word. I'm obeying God. It's more important to me what God sees, not what other people see. These Pharisees were so intent on making sure that other people saw them wash their hands. They have to see me wash my hands. Oh, pastor, I couldn't come to that. Other people have to see me go to this other thing. It's amazing to me how we're, it's so important sometimes for us to have people at work see us do something or people from 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 perhaps... Uh, Uh, A group from your home country Who may not necessarily even be believers But it's important for for them to see That you go to that particular festival Even though it's on a Sunday morning Or so on or so forth There could be so many different examples I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you specifically Of whatever it may be But we've got to make sure that we identify What is stopping me From obeying God's word Is there a tradition But we have to accept the fact That there is social pressure That we have to push past. Here the Pharisees are sitting there and saying, we saw. Your disciples are not doing this. Which means the culture was one where they're constantly watching each other. Guys, do we find that our culture does that nowadays? Yes! Oh my goodness, we constantly watch each other. I'm going to call on them. They're not doing right. I'm going to do a Facebook post or an Instagram post. About them because they're they're not doing whatever what everybody else says is right and we should do, and oh my goodness, with, with social media comes comes an, a worldwide social pressure, even to the point where it can be more important for that to be seen. I'm a good person because virtue signaling is the digital way of putting on Pharisees' robes. doesn't matter what's in your heart, as not matter what's on your post. We have to be so cautious and so careful that the tradition of modern day and age is not, I'm a good person because I posted like everybody else is posting. Some of you know what I'm talking about, some of you don't know what I'm talking about, and that's okay. I would say most of us know what, know what I'm talking about. What did Jesus teach us about tradition? Number one, tradition should never be taken equally as seriously or more seriously than God's word. Tradition should never trump God's word. He mentioned Trump. Calm down. That was an expression before Trump was Trump. If I'm really following the Lord, I'm following what his word says. I'm not following whatever social pressure I happen to be in at the moment. Guys, there can be traditions in the place that you work. There can be traditions that you have to prayerfully negotiate in your family, especially if your family may not necessarily be believers in Christ and followers of Christ. There are situations where we have to constantly ask ourselves, what does God's word say about this? This is what social pressure says. This is what everybody says I should do. This is what everybody's posting about. This is what everybody expects me to do. This is what my culture expects me to say or expects me to do. It is amazing to me having lived in Toronto for about five years where there are so many nominal Catholics out there. They're Catholic in name. They never go to the Catholic church, but as soon as they have a baby, They all, the whole family, that last time they went to the Catholic church was when someone else had a baby. They all run over to the Catholic church and make this big show about the baby baptism. And who's going to be the godfather? Who's going to be the godmother? We're good people because we took our baby to be baptized. And that's our tradition, and we're from this country, and that's what we've always done. Look at Acts Acts chapter number eight is an amazing story of Philip speaking to a man from Ethiopia. Speaking of Philip, it says, and he arose and went in verse number 27, Acts eight twenty-seven. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet, or Isaiah, verse 29. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet of Isaiah and said understandest thou what thou readest you understand what you're reading verse 31 and he said how can i except some man should guide me by the way that's our role as christians okay being a soul winner or leading someone to christ is essentially just helping them understand what the bible says about jesus that's really all that we do right uh, and every christian needs to know that we need to know what the Bible says about Jesus, and we need to be able to explain that to other people. Every person in this room has someone in their life that needs for you to know how to explain what the Bible says about Jesus. Everybody has somebody, a family member, a child, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, a workout buddy, somebody on your a recreational house league team it doesn't matter somebody out there needs for you to know how to explain what the bible says about jesus and philip knew and really all he did was just explain uh, there is no genius in telling people about jesus you tell them what jesus did for you and then you very simply show them in the bible what jesus did for them and that's what he's doing he, needed, they, uh, he says in verse 31, he needed someone to guide him. Verse 32, the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? The Old Testament is specifically describing the death of Jesus Christ. One of the ways that we know that the death of Jesus Christ is significant is because of the many prophecies that line up with the life of Jesus Christ. And this is one such prophecy. And he is explaining to him what the scripture is saying. He's explaining to him uh, in verse number 35, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him, Jesus. He explained to him, Jesus is God's son. Jesus came to this earth. He lived an innocent, holy, spotless life, never one time sinned. He was innocent as a lamb. That's why he's called the lamb of God for many other reasons, but that's one reason. And he died a death on the cross, not because of any wrongdoing of his, but in that death on the cross, he paid for our sin. He was the payment for our sin before god it was prophesied in the old testament it actually happened in this particular case just a couple of years before that and then he rose in victory over death and hell and the grave we believe in jesus because jesus rose from the dead it's not just that he died it's the fact that he rose from the dead and when we believe in him Our heart is filled with new life. The Bible calls it being born again. We are changed from that very moment. The Bible says that we are new creatures in Christ. Listen, this Ethiopian eunuch went all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem in a chariot. That doesn't sound like a fun trip to me. That's a long way. What was he looking for? He was looking for the truth. And when he got to Jerusalem, what did he find? He didn't find the truth. He found tradition. Tradition doesn't help anybody. When you're looking for salvation, it doesn't help anybody. We are not saved by tradition. We're not saved by learning the traditions. We're We're not saved by going to the Pharisees and saying, how do I follow all of your rules? That doesn't offer any hope. We are saved by placing our faith and trust in Christ. Verse 36, and as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And they stop the chariot, and they get out, and he's baptized What did he need to do? He needed to trust Christ with his heart. He needed to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ from his heart. Listen, the prescription was not for him to perform a ritual. It was not for him to learn all of these traditions. It was him to simply read what the scripture says about Jesus Christ and for him to believe on Jesus Christ. That is what cleanses us from all of our sin. It's not performing a ritual. It's not performing a tradition. And guys, listen, if that's how we get saved, that is also how we grow. What does the Bible say? It's not about us coming to church and learning all the churchy things. We have traditions in Baptist churches. Amen. We do things a certain way. They do things a certain way in nearly every church. And it's not about that. It's about so much as what does the Bible actually say? It's got to be truth over tradition. And if the tradition gets in the way of following the truth, which one of them needs to go? The tradition needs to take the back seat. The tradition needs to change. The tradi- it's time for their tradition to change. I'm almost done. Acts. And let's look at verse number, chapter number 15. Acts 15 and verse 1. I'm just pointing out a couple of instances, and we could go through so many Bible verses in the New Testament that shows that whether they were Jews or whether they come from a Gentile background, everybody has to take this step of faith when you become a Christian. You have to push past this to become a Christian. If you may come from a religious tradition where it is not belief in your heart that saves you. But it is infant baptism. Or it is just, you know what? I'm from a Christian family. I'm from a Christian culture. Everybody's a Christian. I've always believed in God. That's not what the Bible says about going to heaven. That's not what the Bible says about forgiveness. The Bible says you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he cleared that up with the Ethiopian eunuch, right? That's, he, he's explaining that. But now we've got another situation. Acts 15 verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren, ho. What are they teaching? It is important to know who is teaching you. It is important to know are they teaching me what the Bible says? Are they teaching me, hey, are they teaching me tradition or truth? Are they teaching me tradition or truth? Verse, verse one, what were they teaching? Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Uh-oh, what does that sound like? Tradition or truth? Tradition. And what happens? Verse two, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. So here they go. Paul and Barnabas are discussing it with these guys. There's a lot of pushback. They've got quite the dispute going on. And finally, they said, We're going to go back to Jerusalem and discuss this with the apostles. Now, look at verse number 13. Verse 11 says, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they. Verse 13. And after they held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets. When they took this issue back to Jerusalem, to the apostles, what did the apostles use as the authority for their position? The truth. What was the truth? The scriptures. That's why we do this at our church. That is why Bible-believing churches do that, is because that's what Jesus did, and that's what the apostles did. Whenever it comes to, what should I do? We have to ask this question. What does the truth of God's word say? What does it say about salvation? What does it say about baptism? What does it say about marriage? What does it say about church membership? What does it say about this and that and this and that? It doesn't matter what it is. And listen, if the Bible is not necessarily clear on it and your tradition says, do it this way. Follow your tradition. But we have, if we're going to be Bible believers, if we're going to please God, if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to nail down this one truth. Truth over tradition. Everybody bow your heads, please. Close your eyes.